Father's Day! It's Animation Celery! Crunchy conversations about classic cartoons. Side by side, wherever we go, we're always ready to roll. I'm Matsy. And I'm Micah. Animation Celery is a show where Matsy and I give each other cartoons to watch, and then we get together to review and discuss them. In honor of Father's Day, we'll be looking at a goofy movie. But the first part of the show, we just pal around and chat. So what is going on, Matsy? Okay, I got two things I want to talk about. One quick one, one longer one. All right. The quick one is, apparently this news broke last June, and I just missed it until this June. Hmm. Uh, did you know that Netflix is making a Cuphead cartoon? I didn't. Well, they are. Huh. Um, yeah, it's coming soon, apparently. Um, from what I understand, they've... They've had to kind of get in front of it a little bit. Like I said, they announced it a year ago, and I guess some episodes or some bits of it have leaked online. Mm-hmm. So they've kind of had to get in front of it, and they've uh, Netflix has posted a teaser uh, on YouTube. Uh, it doesn't show Cuphead and Mugman. Okay. But it does demonstrate Wayne Brady as King Dice. That's a good choice. Yeah, if you need a 30s jazz man... You could do a lot worse. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I I will absolutely watch the Cuphead <laughs> show. I say that's a good choice when uh, the only voice acting role I can think of for Wayne Brady was from Food Fight. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not the reason that movie's bad. Well, well, you know, I yeah. mean, I'm just thinking about the King Dice song in the game. I'm Mr. King Dice. Um yeah. But yeah, so the little clip just shows it's, it, it, I mean, you know, you're not going to mistake it for 1930s animation, uh, but it tries like it, like it, you know, it has the look like it, it okay. it's not exactly the same, but it's like, it's got the character designs that you would expect from Cuphead. It has the kind of like almost washed out looking painted backgrounds, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I think it might even have a little bit of like fuzzy like like dusty artifacting on it right if that makes sense like oh just like the game scratches and stuff yeah 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 yeah. um so i'm looking forward to seeing what that turns out to be um yeah i think it might be i'm still i'm still playing it yeah yeah. um yeah i i haven't referenced uh a walkthrough or anything so you remember some of the achievements are just question marks (laughs) <laughs> so yeah. I haven't gotten them. I haven't gotten all the coins either. So, I mean, in the sense of, uh, I suspect that a couple more NPCs could give me coins so that I could fulfill buying everything. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, I don't, eventually I'll just have to ask or look it up or something because now I'm just kind of like doing levels once in a while. Mm-hmm. And I, b- before, uh, coming to record, I was trying to, uh, S rank, Oh, what's his name? Uh, Cinder? The the dragon. Oh, yeah. Who I found actually be the hardest level on regular, so. Mm. He's one of those, he's one of those bosses that unfairly gives you very few opportunities to parry. Mm, Yeah. So if you don't get them early, then you just kind of like, oh, reset if you want the S. The one that I hated was, I think it was like Beppo the Clown. It's the one on the roller coaster. Ah, yeah. Yeah, that one gave me... Ugh, that one gave me fits. Hmm. Um, that's a good game. 
Um, but speaking of good games, the other thing I got to talk about, oh my gosh, I got to talk about Chicory. Okay. Oh man, I I picked up this game that just came out recently. I I I picked it up on Steam on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um and then just spent eight and a half hours playing through it from start to finish. Uh, what a game. Hmm. Um, okay, Chicory. Let me explain what it is. Um, Chicory is set in this world that doesn't have color by default. It's black and white line art. It really looks like a, a picture book. Okay. And in this world, there's a magic brush and a designated wielder whose job is to keep everything colored. And the current wielder is a rabbit named chicory um you play as a little dog who is the janitor in chicory's tower and as the game opens all the color abruptly disappears from the world Hmm. and chicory is not answering at her bedroom door but the brush is left outside so the gameplay itself it's kind of like zelda without the combat Mm-hmm. Where it's all like environmental puzzles and gaining new abilities to traverse uh, terrain and stuff. Okay. The hook of it is that your mouse controls the brush and you can color things in. Mm. And you can interact with the paint as you gain new abilities and objects in the environment will interact with the paint. Like um, one of the early things is that there are trees that will uh, shrink back down to buds if you color them in so you can go past them. Or mushrooms that grow into springboards if you paint them. Okay. It is really cool. It's got a neat story. It's funny. The character designs are so cute. They're all animals. It's Mm -hmm. like a little animal world. And the fun thing is that all the characters and all the places are named after food. Okay. Except the food. (laughs) Yeah. Like early on, you'll find this little bakery where... They make these ring-shaped pastry things, mm-hmm. which are called holies. <laughs> okay. And similar stuff like that. The game also has a bit of a dark side because it seems to be about depression. Huh. <laughs> because Chicory is just just monstrously depressed. Like she's you know, she has these these spells where she's just like Oh, forget about me. Just abandon me. I'm worthless. You can't save me. Like, so it has that going on, mm-hmm. but it tells a neat story. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of, there are really funny parts to it. Uh, the character designs are adorable. Hey. It looks wonderful. The painting mechanics are interesting because mm-hmm. you can, you can um, change the size of your brush. There's like four different colors that you can scroll through on each screen. Um, you can zoom in to color in detail. And as you go throughout the game, you'll find, um, additional brush shapes that you can use, like, you know, heart shaped stamps or like, you know, uh, like texture patterns and stuff like that. Gotcha. So, and at any point you can stop and make a gif of the coloring that you've just done. Hmm. And in fact, when I finished the game, it gave me a GIF. It just showed the whole world map and it yeah. just produced an entire GIF of all of my exploration and painting for the entire eight and a half hours. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at the pictures of it. It looks really charming. Yeah, it is. It's a great little game. Chicory. Made at least partially, made at least partially in Vancouver too. 
Hmm. There's a neat little message at the end in the credits, too, where it acknowledges that it was made in part on the unceded lands of various First Nations. Okay. So that's cool. Yeah, Chicory, a colorful tale. Uh, I dig it. I think I, I recommend this game. Hmm. Yeah, maybe I'll check it out. Yeah. What about you, Micah? Well, I, I checked out this today that uh, they previewed the latest Smash DLC character. <laughs> yeah. Did you catch that? Kazuya I did. from Tekken? Yeah. I did, yes. I've, I've not much liked Tekken as a, as a game. I don't think I've ever played it. It seems really silly to me <laughs> that it's one of those games where uh, the combos are you juggling somebody. So they spend a lot of their time parallel to the ground in the air while you continually keep them airborne by punching their shins. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. Do you, have, you, have you ever seen uh, the Tekken 1 cutscenes for Kazuya? I don't think I've seen them, but like I, if if you're talking about the reference that they made repeatedly in that yes. Smash Brothers trailer, like I'm I'm aware of what that is. Yeah. Oh man, so yeah, it's uh, the Kazuya is part of maybe video games' most toxic family. <laughs> um, he his father is the CEO of a big corporation and. He seeks to seeks to toughen up Kazuya uh, through martial arts, and mm. so he beats the crud out of his son when he's five years old. Jeez! And then reinforces <laughs> that he needs to get tougher by dropping him off a cliff. <laughs> so when you play Kazuya in Tekken, uh, the first Tekken game, your storyline is getting revenge on your dad, mm -hmm. and you beat him up, and then carry his broken body to that same cliff and drop him off. And uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, um, imagine if you will, the PlayStation one graphics, <laughs> uh, well, for cutscene graphics, I'll put it that way first, uh, that uh, Kazuya then smiles to the camera. One of the creepiest smiles. <laughs> it's, it's worth looking up. <laughs> I might do that. Yeah. I've probably seen it. Like this is, you know, yeah. This is one of those things in video games that I won't say most people know, but you know, it's through osmosis, it's just something that video game people have probably picked up. Like yeah. I said, I've never played Tekken, but I know that scene. Yeah, you know, actually I don't own Ultimate. This is just me being like on the edge oh. of the culture. Yeah. I don't know. I I I played Brawl a ton and then before on Melee, I, I played that for hundreds of hours. Mm -hmm. And so I just don't like feel the burn to keep it up, even mm. though things seem interesting, right? Like, oh, this character seems interesting. I'd like to try her and so on, right? Yeah, I do own it. Um, mm. And I've been checking out the DLC. Mm -hmm. um, I like uh, Pyra and Mithra a lot. Uh, yeah, they from, seem a little busted. Um, yeah, well, I don't know if the, I'm not good enough to say that they're busted, but they are a character that I've had a lot of success with in my just kind of tooling about. Mm. But yeah, they're you know it's neat to see like it's neat to see Banjo and Kazooie in the uh, Nintendo fold again. Mm. Um, I also have a Banjo Kazooie amiibo, which is really cool. Okay. Um, person yeah. 
personally, I'd rather like see more cartoony kinds of characters in the game than realistic ones. But yeah, uh, yeah. Like I could think of, you know, I wanted to see like Arl from um, Puyo Puyo. Yeah, Puyo Puyo Tetra. Like I wanted to see them in there. Um, a lot of people are disappointed that Waluigi is kind of like the way that it works is there's um, assist trophies. Yeah. Which, with uh, where you can get other characters to come in and help you. And the deal is that assist trophies are not eligible to become full-fledged characters, and Waluigi's an assist trophy. So it's kind of codified that Waluigi will never be a character in Smash Brothers. I think the people uh, that are upset by this are just, like, succumbing to whimsy. Yeah. Who, who cares about Waluigi? <laughs> <laughs> who cares about that funny-looking guy from uh, Toadstool Tour? Yeah. I mean, you're you're right. Um, but at t- the same time, it's it's like the one character in the Mario world that is not in the game, I guess. There's tons of Mario characters I'd rather see than Waluigi. I'd rather see <laughs> Comic, for one. Who, who I'd count as a oh, Yoshi yeah. character, actually. But uh, Okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, or Nabbit would be more interesting than Waluigi. <laughs> you know, there's tons of better ones. They put a piranha plant in there. Okay, that's a terrible one. <laughs> <laughs> he's I, w- I played the piranha plant for a while. Um, yeah. He's considered one of the worst characters in the game, but I, you know, I, I liked playing him. I do kind of like, he, he's a little trolly, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, edge guarding with that poisonous cloud. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I checked that out today. Uh, yeah. Another thing that I checked out today, I, I, I slept on it, I guess. Uh, I watched the Masters of the Universe Revelation teaser. Oh, yeah, that. Oh, it didn't impress you? I don't know. Like, I'm so worried about it. <laughs> like, I'm... Because I don't... I don't trust Kevin Smith. Well, maybe rightly so. But... Mm. I mean, it looks good. It it looks way better than, uh, what was it, 2010 He-Man? Oh, even before that. Was it earlier it was than like, that? Oh, it was like 2001. Oh, was it? Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, I guess so. But it looks better than that, I'll say. Okay. And yeah. you know what kind of a funny thing? Like, those uh, those writers of the original series, they resented having to put toys in, mm. you know. So they they would work in Strider in a completely unrelated plot, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's funny. It's like the second shot of this this teaser shows Stridor's hoof coming into view. Yeah. I noticed like a lot of vehicles that I was like, oh, I forgot about that thing with the big smashing arm. Yeah. And they showed the land shark blowing up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's a bunch it's of kind, rotons. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, uh, some respect for the, the for the toys. But not so much that, like, I guess they're just little shout outs and then you won't see them too much. But uh, mm. um, I think it looks pretty cool. Uh, however, I, I went to, uh, um, I heard controversies about this, right? That's, oh, it's woke. And I was thinking, like, I saw nothing in there that hinted at mm. that. Mm. Right. And so I, I delved a little bit and then, you know, I figured, oh, was it because Tila and, uh, Evil Lynn were fighting so much in that thing. <laughs> no, it's, it comes out to uh, a release of the episode one synopsis. Okay. Um, that, uh, well, 
that combined with a with a, a toy, uh, always the toys give the clues, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, yeah. Skeletor beats He Man, apparently. Okay. Okay. And he takes the power sword and with it becomes Skella God. Hmm. Uh, so. So do they have to form a great rebellion and fight against Skeletor's, shall we call it an evil horde? No, it becomes like a quest of Tila to recover the power sword. What? Yeah, like she combines. It looks like she combines with uh, with evil Lin, because maybe I guess Skella God's out of control. And uh, Rob- was his name Roboto? I can't remember. Yes, yeah, Roboto. Yeah. Like, so there's kind of like a motley crew, and uh, apparently that's where it's going to lead is to Tila um, having a quest. And that's why this is woke, is because Tila does anything. Hmm. Hmm. I don't mind. I, the, part of me, when I heard this was a continuation, that I, I was hoping it would be in the spirit of the old filmation thing. Right. So the, the plot lines would be similar and the like, but it clearly is not. There's like action and people punching each other and stuff. Hmm. And, you know, if it tells an interesting story, I'm all for it. Yeah, I guess I'll give it a chance. You know what I think part of it is? Hmm. I think you remember last time I was talking about Corone and I said, yeah. was it last time or the time before? Whatever. Yeah, and sure. I, I kind of said like, you know, if people tell me that there are better VTubers than Corone, I don't want to hear it because she's the one that I've latched onto. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like I might have a similar thing with She-Ra, where okay. I liked the the She-Ra series, Princesses of She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, mm-hmm. so much that now I don't want to be told that there's something else that's just as good. <laughs> okay. Um. Combined with the fact that I don't trust Kevin Smith. Like, I saw Moss Man in that trailer. Like, I was saying from day one, as soon as I heard Kevin Smith was involved, I'm like, oh, man, Moss Man's going to be made out of weed, isn't he? Uh, and then I saw Moss Man in the trailer, and I'm like, here we go. <laughs> you know, I'll afford him a weed joke if he wants to put one in there. <sighs> I won't. Because he, <laughs> okay. he did the same joke in one of the Batman comics that he wrote, where Poison Ivy, Poison Ivy, rather subdued him by like pumping like i don't know thc from cannabis into the air oh and so like this is kind of what kevin's like ever since kevin smith started smoking marijuana it's kind of been one of the only things in the world that he cares about and he tries to put it in everywhere he can when did he start in vitro (laughs) no actually he came to it late oh um he for for most of the career that we have been following, he didn't smoke weed at all. Because huh. remember, he watched his friend Jason Muse become a horrible junkie. Okay. Um, he smoked cigarettes. Yeah. But it was later in life that he, like, I think during the time that he started recording his podcast that he started smoking weed. And suddenly he's like, oh, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. <laughs> but, and, you know, it's like this new you know, this new thing that he latched onto and suddenly he had to find ways to put it into everything he did. Well, I'm hoping he's largely a name, right? <laughs> that there's qualified people who did the storyboarding and yeah, well, things yeah, out. And, hopefully, hopefully. Um, so here's the thing, though, that <laughs> my jumping on this, that a lot of these things, like I, 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 
I man-child a lot of these things. Like, I love these things, right? These uh, yeah. Masters of the Universe and all this stuff. But mm -hmm. as other fans become adults, and as I, <laughs> as I uh, connect to their thoughts on the internet, I'm pretty embarrassed, <laughs> right? Okay, so embarrassed slash entertained. Okay. So, for example, if there's a, uh, a Marvel Comics ad on Facebook, I check it out for the comments. I want to see all these terrible people complain, you know, about, <laughs> about Marvel's gay agenda or whatever. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But the worst of this is He-Man because could there have been a more soy cartoon in its day? <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's got these muscly guys and swords and laser guns and stuff, but, uh, you know, <laughs> every episode is about telling the truth or not being jealous and so on. Yeah. Yeah. So that I think, yeah, yeah go ahead. Well, the, these people are devout fans of this and yet turned out the complete opposite <laughs> is some kind of gross irony. Hmm. I'm starting to think that what I really like about He-Man mm -hmm. is two things. One, I like the idea that mostly towards the latter stages of the toy line um it's one of the toys that put a lot of effort into the toys themselves yeah where like every every toy had kind of a gimmick to it every toy did something different mm -hmm. um and i appreciate that especially you know as toys evolved into well it's the incredibles and they don't do anything but it's an action figure like all the like like you know toys Toys weren't toys for toys' sake anymore. They were okay. tie-ins to existing properties, and they didn't need to do anything. Whereas He-Man and its ilk, they started with the toy doing something interesting and then made a cartoon to promote it. I see what you're saying. The other thing is, I am a sucker for the combination of technology and medieval fantasy. Mm. Like, Final Fantasy VI. Like, mm. this medieval society but there's this technology under the surface and they're combining magic and technology hmm. um like i love that and that's the aesthetic of masters of the universe um so i think i like the aesthetic of it and i like the toys and maybe you know what masters of the universe actually is is secondary hmm. but that said like the she-ra the new she-ra cartoon executed itself really well yeah. Um there were a couple of episodes that aren't as good, but okay. like as a whole, like over the four or five seasons of that show, it tells a really compelling story and it's really well done. Did you particularly follow then uh Black Star and Thundar? I'm Oh, I have this weird memory that's like trying to come into my brain, but it can't break through. Well they're He Man like, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially Black Star. Like Black Star is about an astronaut who uh arrives on a uh sorcery and high tech planet. Mm-hmm. And he and his rival have two halves of his sword. <laughs> that need, okay. Yeah, it's 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 very similar and it predates He Man. Oh, oh interesting. Yeah. Hmm. And then and then Thundar's like a uh a future apocalypse where sorcery and monsters have come back. All right, right, yeah. 
Yeah, so pretty similar shows. Hmm. Interesting. Why don't we go <laughs> diametrically opposite in theme? <laughs> um, let's get to talking about our movie. Yeah, okay. Uh, so this is our Father's Day movie. A goofy movie. Theoretically about a father. I will summarize it briefly, and then we will talk about it some more. Uh, I won't spoil anything, or I'll try not to spoil anything in my summary, but who knows what we'll end up talking about. Hmm. So here's the basic idea. This is this movie came out in 1995, and it serves as the follow-up to the TV series Goof Troop, which is... It, the, the show was about Goofy and his son Max, uh, and... Pete and his family, most notably his son PJ, who is Max's best friend. And they would, you know, just have Disney afternoon adventures and stuff. A Goofy movie takes place in real time a few years after Goof Troop. Max is now a teenager in high school, and on the last day of school, he executes a zany stunt involving the music of pop sensation Powerline, aiming to catch the attention of his crush, Roxanne. The scheme works a treat, and Max wins the admiration of his peers and discovers that Roxanne reciprocates his feelings. The two make a date to attend a house party together, the main event of which is the pay-per-view concert by a power line. However, this scheme also lands Max in trouble, and after a phone call from the principal and some questionable advice from Pete, Goofy comes to fear that Max may be headed down the path to becoming a no-goodnik. He decides that the solution is a traditional goof family father-son fishing trip across the country in Idaho to be embarked upon immediately. Unfortunately, this means Max won't be in town for his date with Roxanne. Desperate to save the burgeoning relationship, Max concocts a story that his dad knows Powerline, and the two of them are headed to L.A. to perform on the stage during the concert. And so we're on a road trip with Goofy, eager to bond with the son he fears is slipping away from him, while Max has to confront his overbearing and embarrassing father and the outrageous lie to his would-be girlfriend, one way or the other. I think that's a pretty non-spoilery synopsis. Yeah, now let's get to spoiling it. All right. Um... How do you want to start this thing? <laughs> Give me your thoughts. Tell me, I've, I talked about it. Give me your immediate thoughts. Okay, well, uh, I, ha I have a lot of thoughts on the visuals. Uh-huh. Um, I think this has great designs overall. That is one of my notes. Yes. Great character designs. I love how all the characters look kind of different. Well, they all look basically the same, but they're all like different, like body types and shapes and stuff. Sure. And this is like, a TV Disney talent. This is yeah. sec this is kind of a second string Disney movie, right? So, well, yeah, yeah well, Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast were coming out. Then th this oddball came out. Yeah, this is like Disney would number their animated. They were like, it's our 34th full length animated feature. Right. And this is one of the ones that they didn't count. Right. Even, even though it is a full length, like they didn't count the DuckTales movie because that was like, there was a different they had a different umbrella for that. I can't remember what they called it, but it was like, it was a side thing. Okay. This is just Walt Disney. Right. Um, but yeah, they, they didn't call this a goof troop movie. No, no. It's a goofy movie. 
their yeah. their animated movie, their like canonical numbered animated movie for 1995 was Pocahontas. Right. This is so, a different thing. So my point about that though is yes, those other movies are beautiful and great, but this is like the TV Disney talent. We've talked a lot lately about the Disney afternoon. Yeah. This is the the stuff for which I have a love. Yeah. Right? And and I think it's better too actually. No no shade on those other ones, but I think the actual talent in doing these designs is better. It it really sta- like it really impressed me. There was a sequence um where they're on the road. There's a little musical number about the open road mm. and all the different characters that they're seeing in the other cars mm-hmm. like that was the point where i just like that was the point where i made this note i was like look at all these characters and look at how look at how good they all look they all they're all different they're all like they they the way their animation just flows around right like it looks great it's my it's my favorite thing in the movie this part mm-hmm. you're talking about with the uh the interstate <laughs> all the the crazy characters and all the other cars Yep. And also uh, Max's beginning thing where he's going to school and you see all his classmates. Mm, mm. Just a great job. And, you know, like one of the things that uh, I didn't appreciate, I think it's true in Goof Troop as well. Um, there's a syndrome in cartoons where the initial designs don't really jive with the incidental ones that show up later. <laughs> or, even, or even like some bad examples. Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. Incidental mm. mice they show later on don't really look like they belong with the rescue rangers. They're just a little bit off, right? Yeah. Or, or like, it's kind of like there's so much effort into doing some fantastic work that then designers fall back on their go-tos, right? So like SWAT cats is bad for that. Mm, mm, and mm. Uh, uh, gargoyles is bad for that. But this looks pretty consistent to me. Like all these people really look like they belong in the same world, except <laughs> except Goofy. Except, you're going to say ironically. Except sorry, you're going to say except Goofy. Ironically, <laughs> Goofy, Max, Pete, and PJ. Like oh, they're all so. black with like white or or like that tan colored muzzle, so to speak. Yeah, but I think I think it's okay that they stand out to that degree. Yeah, sure. And, and and I, I was thinking that too, and I was looking for instances like deviance. <laughs> <laughs> so in that interstate one, there's the uh, wolf-looking guy in uh, the paddy wagon in in the, the the jail transport. Yeah, and he kind of you know he's kind of an outlier too. So I think there's room for them. I kind of like wondered that. if he was like a reference to some other cartoon. Yeah, because there are a bunch of those in this. Also, the the musical number opens up with like basically another goofy uh, in the back of a pickup truck on a piano. Hey. Yeah. And I, I kind of went, eh, look, another goofy. Cause you know, as we've discussed before, there is a precedent for there being myriad goofies in the world. Actually, you know, I thought it was kind of a missed thing. Uh, they, they go to various places on their road trip. And at one point they attend a baseball game. <laughs> I would have, I would have loved to seen in the background a base runner catching all the bases, getting stuck on his feet. Yeah, <laughs> they went but, with the joke of all the baseball players being huge muscle men. Yeah, well, yeah. it's it still pretty funny that I, I like that that baseball player signing the ball for him as he has slingshots back up from having yeah, fallen yeah. from the bleachers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I thought 
I, it made me want to look like who are these designers. I was expecting yeah. to find them that they were, you know, he was the lead designer on DuckTales or whatever, right? Right. Um, so I looked at them. There, there's six of them listed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I looked into them. Bob Scott, one of the things he notably does, he does a webcomic called Bear With Me. Okay. Yeah, which is just like a family with a bear. <laughs> It's got that uh, animator's knack to it, so it looks good. Certainly looks better than newspaper comics. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sergio Pablos went on to animate Frollo and Hades. Oh. Yeah. Hades? And, yeah. Wow. And, that game's uh, great. Game? Ah, oh, you goof. Uh, Hercules Hades. Oh, 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 okay, <laughs> never mind. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you meant he was like he was one of the animators on the video game Hades, which has no, a very no, no, different no. art style. No, okay, I get it Hades. now. The character uh, in the yeah, okay, yeah. And Bruce Smith went on to animate Kerchak from Tarzan, mm-hmm. and Pasha from New Emperor's New Groove. Okay, but like the other ones don't have that kind of thing. They, they have kind of like a yeoman's career, but that I respect very much. And they were uh, Carol Holiday, Alex Mann, William Finn, where they, you know, they've their whole career they've done storyboards and character designs for this and that gi joe slimer and the real ghostbusters and they keep working mm-hmm. so i think uh they did a f- they did my favorite work in this movie mm-hmm. okay uh-huh. yeah i i think no i think you're right i i really like the character designs really stood out to me the way they're animated really stood out you know what this <clears throat> If you put mouse ears on these characters, they would be Gadget. Um, Okay. But you know what else this really reminded me of? Like the the basic style of all these dog people? Yeah. It really reminded me of a movie that I'm telling you, Micah, right now, we are going to watch on this podcast one day. Okay. Uh, A weird Canadian thing called Rock and Rule. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, the <laughs> it's kind of one of the earliest furry movies, let's say. Um, sure. And boy, like I, I just kept seeing rock and rule in all these incidental characters, which is weird because rock and rule is not a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it looks that close, but I, I do know what you mean, though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. um, you know, thinking about again design, Goofy. So Goofy is the most rigid design in this, right? And that there's, there's precedent for what he looks like. Right. Yeah. And and yet I thought some really great examples of like when he feels things, when he's scared, when he's upset. Yeah. Both funny and evocative. There's a, there's a weird thing about seeing goofy displaying genuine emotion. That's because he's got, he normally, is so badly lacking in awareness right? Yeah. Yeah, that he yeah, can't yeah. feel anything except confused or worried or, you know, ex- except buffoonery basically. Yeah. But he, yeah. It works. Yeah. It's yeah. It's, I mean, it's a weird, you know, you don't expect that from this character, but like it, there's effective, part, like there's a part where he's driving and he's like silently yeah. angry at max. <laughs> he's stewing. Yeah. yeah and just like, <laughs> Like, you can feel, like, you as the viewer understand why he's angry. Like, we have seen what has set him off. 
Yeah. And you kind of feel it like it's this you 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 feel his anger and disappointment and you like you understand and it's like oh man like you you regard goofy as a person yeah yeah and you know what's funny is that in goof troop it so seldomly happens yeah goof troop is like more accurately you could say that pete is the main character of goof troop you could make that argument for sure yes yeah he's he's the one who uh, generally goof troop plots, most of them go that Pete does something deceitful and then does his best to hide it from Goofy, from his wife, um, or hide it from himself because he has a pang of conscience. That's mm. basically maybe three quarters of every goof troop plots. And apparently yeah. it caught up with him because he doesn't have his used car lot anymore. He's, that is uh, weird in this, isn't it? He's he's working as a uh, baby photographer uh, in think, a department store. I, I don't think the series ever said what Goofy did as a job. Um, or it's kind of like a handyman well, here's or something, the thing. right? Or, the first episode, uh, yeah. it kind of kicked off with Goofy getting his diploma from a cooking school. Oh. And then okay. going to get a job in Spoonerville. Okay. But throughout the series, like he would get other jobs just as they were presented to him, you know, like he was a, okay. like a, a safety inspector in one thing because Pete wanted, you know, Pete got him into that job because Pete wanted him to shut down all of his competition. Right. Um, you know, so like goofy just kind of had no job or gained yeah. a job for the purposes of the plot. Well, for this, I thought him being a like child photographer, Seemed perfect. It seemed like the job and you'd he have. Was, and he was really good at it, too. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. the Pete... I don't know. Pete maybe sold his dealership or something. I don't know. Or <laughs> That is I mean, weird. You know, obviously, it's because they're not important to the plot. Yeah. But his wife and daughter, Peg and Pistol, aren't in yeah. this at all. And... Oh, yeah. Y- you could... Y- you could concoct some kind of dark fan theory about them getting divorced or something. Oh, there are so many dark fan theories about <laughs> about Peg Pete. <laughs> I think it's Occam's Razor. It's just they're not in this movie because it's not about Pete. Yeah, there's not enough time yeah. to have them in there too. Um, so returning to design, I'll tell you one thing that I think is funny. Yeah. There's this weird, weird paradox. So Goofy has these big gloves for hands, right? Yes. A lot of the main characters do in this. Yeah. Um, uh, but not just in here, but especially in here. We get to see his bare feet a lot. I knew it. I knew that's what you were going to talk about. Those weird black toes. Yes. Big, starkly black feet. Um, We see Max's too, but Goofy, like, they're so weird. Why do we see them so much? But they're funny, right? Oh, it is really strange. Yeah. (laughs) Like we see, we see them a lot in this movie. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. I I have I have one more design thing here. Uh-huh. Okay. So, regarding Goof Troop specifically, I don't know why this is a secret. Why why this is so coy? Like, is is it coy or is it just like there's nobody who cares enough to answer this? Is Pete a dog in Goof Troop? Hmm. Everyone seems to be a dog, but some people say that Pete 
and maybe Peg Two or PJ are cats. That whole that whole family might be cats, or some of them are cats. I think Peg is definitely a dog. Okay. I think Pistol probably is too. Right. Now, PJ is just a smaller version of Pete. I'm pretty yes. sure PJ stands for Pete Jr. Yes. Now, Pete. Canonically, I would assume that Pete in the old Disney cartoons is a cat. He's definitely a cat in Steamboat Willie. Because he's a foil for Mickey Mouse. Yeah. So, interesting question. In his original appearance in the Alice comedies, he's a bear. <laughs> okay. And I've seen, I've seen people say that he's a dog and goof troop, but I've seen other people say he's a cat. The only thing that bugs me is that I don't see any other cats. Yeah. But I'll but tell it, you, I, I tumbled down uh, further down this hole. Okay. Um, Pete makes like three appearances in DuckTales. In the reboot? No, in the original. Oh, he does? Yeah, he's different characters. Like Scrooge doesn't go like, oh, you're the guy from the other time, right? He's okay. like different. He's different hoodlums and stuff in, in DuckTales. Okay. DuckTales appears to be a world... Where there's fowl, like mm-hmm. ducks and geese and stuff. Yep. There's dogs. Yep. And there's pigs. And really nothing else. Hmm. But I imagine Pete's a cat in there, so that's oddball. That there's <laughs> this Pete... <laughs> there, there are very few cats and ducktails, and they're all Pete. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. For me, for my sanity, he's a dog, and everybody in Goof Troop is a dog. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. Although, although this leads me also to think they they, have, they go at one point to this like cheesy family, um, not Chuck E. Cheese exactly, but it's got animatronic. Was it was it possums? Yes, yes, possums. So I would guess that possums are just animals in this world. And oh, those were cartoon characters. We're getting into the Usagi Yojimbo thing of like... <laughs> yeah, I guess so. You know, a horse on horseback or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's that's my thoughts on the, the look of the movie. Yeah. Um, I largely agree. Like I, like, I made special note the same way you did. Like, I really mm-hmm. liked the character designs. I, I really liked the way this is animated. I think it looks... It has a style that, you know, the the other animated movies at the time, like the Lion King and Aladdin, like were largely not really doing no, but the charm of it, you know what? One of my favorite, um, uh, Disney animated movies was, was Mm. Oliver and company. And in part because the animation of that was so fluid and plastic, like it wasn't rigid, you know? And I like, I kind of get the same thing in this. Like it feels squishy, you know, we're, we're comparing it to is that era of other Disney movies and DreamWorks movies and stuff mm. where everything gets like this weird angular look. Everybody's got square fingertips and the like. Yeah. Yeah. So this is almost, if you put yourself back in the time, this would have been a breath of fresh air, <laughs> you know, and, and we were, um, we spent some time recently dumping on Disney studios stuff. Like, like my comparison for those TV series, like rescue Rangers, where, they hired TMS to make great looking episodes or especially gummy bears were laughing like it. Oh, they used uh, Disney Australia. Mm. Uh, this movie used Disney France. 
Hmm. And, you know, given the time, they made this pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, France, you know, France has decent animation here and there. Well, it's got a great culture for animation and, and comics, but still, you know, this is another example of how this is kind of like a second tier Disney movie that they pumped this out to France to do rather than their, their uh, Mm -hmm. California guys. Yeah. But the result darn good. Yeah. So for voice work, (laughs) I think one of the more notable things is that Max has a different voice here. Yeah. I don't know that the original was Dana Hill. Yes. Um, and she actually died the year after this movie came out. Mm-hmm. I don't know if her health was the reason why they changed or just stylistically, they wanted to give Max a masculine teenage voice. I could see it either way. Um, Cause you know, like the, the, this is about Max growing up. Mm. Like this is like, he's in high school. He has, he's trying to get a girlfriend. Like, mm-hmm that's what this movie is about. It's about Max. There's a, um, there's a, uh, funny line in here that I made a note of where Goofy says, um, he's growing up or he, Max says that he's grown up and Goofy says like, I know it just happened so fast. I sort of missed it. And hmm. it's cute because we missed it too. Cause oh, there was yeah, like yeah. three years between goof troop and this. Um, hmm. but at the same time, like, the different voice is an example of that. Like it's, it's a demonstration of this is not little max anymore. Hmm. So I could see this definitely as a stylistic choice. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. It just works. Like I, I was questioning max's voice when I first heard it. Like I knew that he had a different voice in this. I knew that. Um, and I wasn't sure what I thought of it at first, but I eventually accepted it. How do you like Bill Farmer as Goofy? He's fine. Yeah, he's good. I mean, he has to do stuff that he has to talk earnestly, which Goofy doesn't usually do. Mm-hmm. Um, so good for him for, you know, it's like it's it's a less extreme version of Donald Duck having to have an actual conversation. <laughs> yeah. You know, where he's like, he can't just sound like an idiot. He has to be like communicating real emotion to his son. Or there's a scene where he's talking with Pete in a hot tub and like both of them sound like so out of character because they're both being serious and not silly. Right. And like, it's, it, it works, you know, I think it's good. Yeah. 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 Like, like you accept, like, like I said, it's weird to hear goofy being a real person with real emotions, but at the same time, you don't think, Ooh, this doesn't work. You understand it. You know, for the kind of dad that Pete is, <laughs> I feel pretty good for the way PJ turns out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. Actually, where he's like, he still has this little rebellious side. Yeah. And he's actually, have you seen a, an extremely goofy movie? No. Oh, well, maybe we'll get to that eventually too. Maybe <laughs> next Father's Day. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Pete grows up cool. PJ, that P- is. PJ grows up PJ. cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, 
I was I remember being worried when I saw the commercials for this movie that PJ oh, was going yeah. to be shoved like he was no longer Max's best friend because boy those commercials focused on that Bobby kid. Yeah, oh my god. Okay. So, yeah. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, because, we got to talk about him. Well, not just him, but yes. Um so I did not like Goof Troop. Goof okay. Troop was the signal that I was not interested in the Disney afternoon anymore. Okay, fair. Like, I, I already kind of didn't like Darkwing Duck. Mm. And then Goof Troop is kind of like a herald to an era of cartoons that are just like Slice of Life, which is ironic because I love Slice of Life now. Mm. But back then, like, DuckTales, they were exploring a pyramid and Rescue Rangers, they were stopping a scientific madman and, and you know... Tailspin yeah. was adventures all over the place. Yeah. Goof Troop? What the heck is Goof Troop? <laughs> and it was it was so dorky too. Do you do you remember the Goof Troop promo? Not off the top of my head. Okay, well we're gonna uh I guess we're gonna pause the podcast here so you can okay. look at this. Okay, take a look at this and get a first impression all over again. Okay, okay, give me a minute here. Give me a moment. <laughs> right. This was how they decided you should you should get acquainted with Goof Troop. I forgot they had a cat. Hey. So like this combined like the opening theme to Goof Troop. We're talking about how much we like the opening themes to to <laughs> Rescue Rangers and Gummy Bears. I did not like the opening theme to Goof Troop. No, it was... Oh, yeah. Yes, can... yes. And and that had a... Uh, Goof Troop also had a very dull color palette, too. Yeah. Yeah, and... and Yeah, uh, so I did not... I was not interested in Goof Troop anyway, and then this odd movie came out, and, you know, you could tell that the advertising budget was not the same as Lion King, right? <laughs> <laughs> And it had all the earmarks that said you shouldn't like this, right? It had, uh, it was obviously their B tier animators, although we know differently when we think about it now. But yeah. um, not only did it feature the Polly Shore character Bobby, yeah, uh, a lot in those ads, but it also had all this Powerline stuff, all the Powerline music. And one thing I didn't appreciate as a kid was that uh, they're kind of making fun of the music, right? <laughs> Of the bit. style. Yeah, a little, a little bit. bit, right? It's not it's not totally earnest, hmm. right? But yeah, I thought this is just a dorky movie of, of a property I don't like, and I, I skipped it. Right. Yeah, it's not until later when these things would be on TV, because again, you know, Disney didn't care as much about this property, that I got to see these things and think, yeah, this is pretty good, actually. Mm -hmm. This is better than Goof Troop. Yeah, it it is. Like, it's better than it has any right to be. So did you want to talk about Bobby oh, Zimaruski? Man. <laughs> you know, man. he's okay. He is in this movie as much as he should be. I guess. I, I don't think it's that bad. You know what's really weird about this? What? It's... <sighs> this character is there to be Polly Shore. To like, capitalize on Polly Shore mania. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. But did you notice the other weird thing about that? What? He's not credited. Oh, huh. Pauly Shore is not in the credits of this movie. Funny. 
it's it's almost like I have this weird fantasy that Pauly Shore wanted to be in it, and the producers were like, Pauly Shore wants to be in it, but his, all of his movies suck. What if, yeah. we, what if we just don't tell anybody that he's in it? Um, like, I don't know. It's it's weird. Like, I didn't research a reason for it, but like, yeah, Pauly Shore, this is an uncredited role for him, and yet it is like, it is Pauly Shore doing what Pauly Shore did in 1995. Just this weirdo who says weird things that end with the edge suffix and seems weirdly obsessed with aerosol cheese. Yeah, but this level of satire is in fitting with this kind of movie, though. And would you feel th- feel differently if it was a voice actor impersonating Polly Shore? <laughs> I, I mean, probably not, but I, I think he's fine. I, I guess I just I guess for me like I wasn't offended by his presence. No, I guess I was just boy. This is sure is Paulie Shore doing. It's like one of those voice actors yeah. who is like cast just to be himself. Kind of like Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> um, Bobcat Goldthwait. Yeah, you know, um, Stephen Wright. Sure, yeah. Um, at the same time, Wallace Shawn is in this too. And sure. But that's just like, you know, nobody is like, you know, do the Wallace Shawn voice. Like there isn't a right. Wallace Shawn voice. That's just the way he talks. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was, but I was, like I said, like going into it, I was afraid in the nineties when I saw the commercials, I was like, oh, has Max broken up with PJ and now this Bobby kid is his best friend. Yeah. I thought that too. Hey, yeah. You know, here's <laughs> here's some existential dread. Uh is the celery stalker's slogan going to be a Bobby Zimmerowski thing? Oh boy, well it probably has to be now. <laughs> <laughs> it's the bit of Schadenfreude we can look forward to in about 10 minutes. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to find a good Wallace Shawn quote just to spite this. <laughs> um Oh, uh, there's probably a good song lyric from the highway or something that we could put in instead. I'll, I'll <laughs> think of something, but man. You know, this, this movie's like, it just has such a good spirit in it. Yeah. A lot of these gags add up to uh, uh, more than the sum of their parts, right? Where like the gags aren't necessarily awesome, but I'm in such a good mu- mood that each one hits. Right. There was one gag that I actually made a note of saying like, this okay. is a good gag. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the one with the mime. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny gag. So there's a, I'll spoil it. There's, yeah. they're in, I, it looks like new Orleans and Max and goofy are watching this mime. Who's like pulling on a rope. And you know, he gets to the point where he's like, the rope is kind of at its end. And, Goofy decides to join in and he does the like thing where he's like holding his hands against an invisible wall as he walks up and he like motions with scissors with his finger and the mime looks happy about it. And so he cuts the air and then an actual piano falls on the mime. (laughs) It's a funny, but you know what? I was thinking that too, as I watched that, that uh, mimes sure appear in comedic cartoons a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I am pretty sure that I've seen mimes in real life, but I don't remember where, mm-hmm. <laughs> like how often have you, have you seen a mime in real life? Um, 
I mean, I have seen real life mimes on video, like not cartoons, yeah. but no, but I, yeah. mm, I don't know. I really I, don't know. I mean, the only place I can think of where I might, like, it would have had to have been like Granville Island, right? I was going to say that too. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know. Maybe during Expo 86 or, uh, <laughs> or the Olympics, maybe. Or? Just Vancouver thing. No, the Olympics was yeah. too crowded with people. <laughs> oh, that's right. There's yeah. not enough room for an imaginary box. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I liked um, just like little funny things. Like uh, there's, there's a bit where Max and Goofy are hidden and Max comes out of his thing and next to it is like a guitar case. And you know that Goofy is going to be contorted into it, but it still made me laugh when it happened. <laughs> <laughs> or that, like, like I said, it's just goodwill for this movie, right? That these gags work so well. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a bit where Max slaps a mascot, and it's got that, <laughs> yeah, it's got that classic sound effect, you know? Yeah. And the head uh, turns like 180 degrees directly yes. backwards. Like that was pretty good. You know, yeah, I laughed out loud a lot in this movie. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite, I'm just thinking about that now. One of my favorite jokes that I have ever seen in a movie was yeah. in, um, I think it was National Lampoon's Vacation. Okay. Um, where they get to the amusement park that they're going to, but it's closed. And mm. it has this moose mascot and Chevy Chase just like, it's it's not like a person in a mascot costume. It's like a, a rubber yeah. like face at the, at the, <laughs> yeah. uh, at the desk saying that it's, we're closed. Ho, ho, ho. And he just punches it and the nose just yes. collapses inwards. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's funny about that. The inherent, like the, the moose face is funny to think of like, getting punched and caved in. <laughs> and I think then like the recording is like. Or something like <laughs> Man, mascots being punched. <laughs> You know, a funny thing in this movie, mm. you get to see the map. Oh, wasn't there something interesting about the map too? Oh, yes. Uh, so you, we've seen the thing where like a dotted line or a red line or whatever travels across a map. Yeah. I thought it was really cute that the map had the folds in it. It had a zigzag fold in it while they were traveling over it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and also, though, they showed where Spoonerville was. I was looking at like I... Every time that map came on, that kind of yeah. came into my mind like a second too late to see where it was. I cheated and just looked it up, but it's in Ohio. Okay. But but often, you know, this this kind of thing is cagey about it. Like the Simpsons, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I've always been. But like uh, Duckburg is in Calisota. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it's in the north on the coast, near the mountains, you know, near the desert. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But in this case, they actually made a decision. Hmm. Um, I guess they had to if they're going to go across the country. Right, right, right. And have two flat tires on the way. <clears throat> pretty extreme. Well, it's a pretty crummy looking car. It has, <laughs> yes. an, eight, it has an eight track player. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this. Yeah, this this movie's got like signposts of the era, including going to the store to get photographs taken. Yeah, that's true. That's good, though. I like it. <laughs> I remember this is a, a another tangent, but okay. one of the weirdest um, anachronistic thoughts that I ever had was watching um, This is Spinal Tap. 
Okay. Um, there's a scene, like they're making a new album called Smell the Glove. And there's a scene where they're like, oh, the, the album's here. And so they have a box that has the album in it. Mm. And they open it up and he pulls out this big square and when I was watching that, I it was like a slap in the face, like, oh, right, they didn't have CDs yet. Oh, wow. These albums <laughs> were on records. <laughs> it's, it's funny, your frame of reference is itself an anachronism to now. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this movie would square in CD territory. <laughs> yes. I don't think that Powerline is the kind of music that a boy Max's age would be listening to in 1995. No? No, I think he would have been listening to grunge rock or rap. Yeah, maybe. Um, Yeah, the music in this, it's okay. Yeah. It's it's fun while you're in it. I wouldn't listen to it in the car. No, it's not a, you know, it's, it's not one of those soundtracks that, you know, stands throughout the ages. Like, you know, it's not under the sea. It's not, right. You know, it's not even colors of the wind. I think colors of the wind's pretty good, but yeah. But mm. like who references that when they're talking about great Disney music in 2021. Hmm. Hmm. So I think, I think overall we, we really like this movie. I yeah. like it. I, I was led to believe that this movie was excellent and oh. I, I don't think it's as good as I was led to believe. Maybe it was just a case of high expectations. Right. I don't think it's as good as I was made to believe it was, but it's definitely better than it had any right to be and is legitimately good. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, I'm not saying that it's a bad movie. It's a good movie that I, you know, it had some moments like the early parts of it where Max is trying to get all this attention. I was, yeah. I was just like, oh, this is so cringy. But at the same time, something that I really liked was when he's talking to Roxanne and the two of them are kind of like, it's, it's becoming apparent that the two of them, like their crush is mutual. And I said last week that I'm, I'm a romantic. I don't, you know, romance doesn't work in my brain, Yeah. but watching two others, like right. I thought they're little, oh gosh, they like me too like that kind of realization and coagulation of this potential relationship. I thought it was really cute and I got a nice warm feeling watching it. Like I, the, their interaction in the principal's office with, Mm. with uh, Roxanne's friend, I think her name is Stacy, who I also think is very cute by the way. Yes. (laughs) Blossom. (laughs) Oh man. Why did you have to say that? No, not the voice actor, not the voice actor, but I mean like her style. I know. That's what I mean. Okay. Okay. Anyway. Um, but yeah, like that scene of them in the principal's office, that was a really warm, fuzzy scene that okay. I really enjoyed watching. Oh, the one, there's one thing I, I yeah. have to talk about before. I, I can't let this go. Okay. And I got a Roxanne thing after that, but yeah. The ending to this movie came out of nowhere. Yeah. It's like, they're, not to give, okay, a little bit of spoiler, their, their car is in the river, and they're floating down this river on top of it, presumably somewhere in, like, the deserts of, you know, the mid, or the, the west, Nevada right? Nevada or something. Yeah, yeah, something like yeah. that. And they're like, let's get you to that Powerline concert. 
And then abruptly, they're just in the luggage at the Powerline concert. Yeah, it's like they they just decided let's and then it just kind of fast forward is like they're they're here and they go backstage and they get on the state and like it it was like they got to that point and they're like, oh, shoot, we got to wrap up this movie. You know, most of it moves pretty quick. It's a 70 minute movie. Yeah, but it's just I agree. I agree. It's quick. It just came like it's like it's like the movie hit its point, like Goofy and Max have kind of reconciled somewhat. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we still have to resolve the part where Max gets on stage. Uh, okay, he just does. Well, would you have liked to have seen them, like, fool the roadies and then, you know. I don't know. It was just so right. abrupt and weird. I was watching this like, wait, is this a dream sequence? Like, what's <laughs> what's going on? Like, I, I, I could not, I could not understand how they got to that point. Hmm. And I don't know. I just had to mention that. I thought that was weird. So go ahead and talk about Roxanne. Okay. Um, so she's not in the next movie. Really? So, yeah. It's not like a ha- happily ever after thing. Or is it? Because, like, I was fine thinking, okay, so this is just his junior high romance, right? Okay, you know, yeah. It is what it is. It yeah. is what it is. You know, it's not like Destiny or anything. Yeah. But since then, <laughs> there's been a whole bunch of things that, you know, bring her back. Like... uh Apparently, there's a picture of Max and Roxanne in uh, the DuckTales reboot. Oh, really? I, yeah. I haven't I, watched all of the reboot yet. I need to get well, on that. I haven't seen the episode. It's just in my research. I, I was researching Roxanne specifically. Okay. That uh, There's an episode of House of Mouse featuring a <laughs> older, a teenage uh, Max who like works. He works at the theater. Okay. And everybody's concerned with getting him to his date with Roxanne. Hmm. Hmm. So apparently, as far as Max is concerned, there's a real effort to keep pushing Roxanne back in his life, <laughs> even though she's not in an extremely goofy movie. I guess it's just the, you know, like, there's a perpetual romance that never finalizes itself between Mickey and Minnie Mouse and huh. and Donald Duck and Daisy, that kind of thing. Like, it's just... you know. Too late yeah. to give, you know, we've already established that Goofy had someone and for whatever reason she's gone. So, uh, Max gets to have a female counterpart. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, that, those are my thoughts on, on a Goofy movie. Good movie. Yeah, I, I agree. It's not as good as I thought it was going to be, but it is good. Um, hmm. and, uh, I'm glad that I finally got to watch that. Um, oh, also, <laughs> I thought the relationship between Pete and Goofy was weird. Like, oh yeah, Pete. That, that, that Pete had so much capital with him. <laughs> Pete seems to legitimately like Goofy and want to be around him. Like he's happy to see him, and they, he's oh, happy to hang when, out when with they him. When they show up. They show up in the hotel and stuff. Yeah. And, and in his yeah. camper and stuff, he's like, hey, Goofy, what are they? And, you know, he invites him up to, you know, why don't you stay for dinner? Let's, let's go bowling. Like he's like the Goof Troop show is driven by the fact that Pete can't stand the fact that he lives next door to Goofy. Huh. And now he's perfectly like, he's more than happy to hang. He's like legitimately Goofy's best friend. Yeah. It's the sum of uh, his character growth throughout Goof Troop, I guess. <laughs> Maybe Goofy was there for him during the divorce. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man. 
Well, uh, we'll leave it to the celery stalkers to look up the theories, I yeah, guess. Yeah, <laughs> on that note, we should probably just stop. Okay. <laughs> Let's get to our recommends, I think. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. For All next right. week. Yeah, next week, next week is our last episode before the celebrated holiday Canada Day. And so, because it is the last episode before Canada Day, we're going to get in front of that holiday by watching some stuff from the National Film Board of Canada. Yeah, the NFB. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Matsy. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. I love NFB shorts. Yes. For you, I'm going to start with a familiar one. Uh-huh. Appropriately called Getting Started. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, Getting Started. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Richard Condy. Can... Yeah, Richard Condy. Oh, I hope I hope the people that tune in next time will learn a little bit about Richard Condy. Oh, and, I think uh, they will. Yeah. Um, okay. So the other one, let's see if you if you recognize this one. Uh huh. Sweet childhood. Not off the top of my head. I hadn't seen it until this week, so huh. uh, yeah. I'll take a look at that. All right. All I'm right. looking forward to what you got for me. Okay. First, I got one of my favorite NFB shorts, <laughs> The Apprentice. Oh, okay. By Richard Condy. I am surprised. Okay. <laughs> we got two Richard Condys up in here. Let's make it three. What's the next one? Well, no. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah, we could watch The Cat Came Back if we want to, but... Um, there are so many good NFB shorts that I was like, I knew that I wanted you to watch the apprentice, mm. but for the other one, <laughs> I had so many choices. I didn't know where to go. I finally decided on one that I think you will enjoy called right. sleeping Betty, sleeping Betty, sleeping Betty. I'm not sure what one that is. Oh, you'll find out. Okay. Sweet childhood and getting started. Hmm. Man, getting started. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, we will watch it a few times. You know, maybe between now and then we'll just watch all the Richard Condies. <laughs> I mean, I've already seen them all. I, I watched one of them, Oh Sure, which is only like a minute long. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's uh, there's uh, Oh Sure, uh, Strange Invaders, I think there's one, um, uh, La Sala. For me, the big snit was my favorite. Oh, the big snit's so good. There's some <laughs> there's some stuff for you folks to watch. Like these the go watch the big snit. That's a really good one. Um yeah. The Cat Came Back is a classic. Um yeah, I think Americans might even know the cat came back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whew. Well, there's our show. So be sure to share Animation Celery with all of your friends because we want the show to grow and make sure to give us your feedback because we want to do better. You can reach me at AC Matsy on Twitter. And you can reach me at DrabSwatch on Twitter. Now, C-E-L-E-R-Y. Why? Because this melody sounds like but is tonally distinct. Stalkers slow again. Oh, you want to sing a song, huh? Me and my dad used to sing this one all the time. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>